Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Sean, Karen, how you guys doing? Yes, sir. Ready to rock this. I mean, well, I think this topic is long overdue, Matt, but I'll let you set it off. All right. Yeah. The topic of discussion today is HBCUs. For those not knowing, that's historical black colleges and universities. And we've had a lot of conversations on this show about college in general and the value of college. But today we're, we're discussing the value of HBCUs. And uh, yeah, Sean, what are your thoughts on that? Any initial? Well, you know, honest, I grew up in Canada. I went to, I did all my schooling in Canada, but Growing up in Canada, we were, as you know, African-Americans, African-Canadians, we were always fond of the HBCUs. I always wanted to attend the Howard, the Morehouses, and we'd see all those great movies and all those great people that went to those schools. So I was always a little envious of a Howard graduation. I would be like, yeah, whatever, dude. Great. Good for you. <laughs> Don't hate. Because <laughs> so, we didn't have the same opportunities in Canada. So, yeah, I'm interested in the show and I'm interested in hearing, learning more about it. How about you, Karen? What, any, any thoughts on HBCUs? Do you have any? Did you? What's your knowledge of, of HBCUs at all? Any? any yeah, connection? no, no. It's it's close to nothing. I remember the first time I even encountered something like that when I was applying to schools myself, and I didn't get it at first, right? Like I didn't get that. I was like, they're still historically black, but they're for everybody. And I know they're technically for everybody, but um, I like I just didn't get it that this is like this is a black community thing, and that there's a certain like it arises from a specific need. For, for a specific community, I kind of didn't get it. So I was like, maybe I'll go here. Maybe I'll go there. And then it just dawned on me, like, it's not quite, it's not quite with your demographic in mind. And I ended up here in New York, but I know almost nothing about them. All right. Well, today to help you know, to learn something and to enlighten our audience, I've brought on a good friend of mine who happens to be an HBCU grad of the prestigious Howard University. Um, he's also someone I've worked with. Uh, in our professional lives uh, for several years. He's a entrepreneur and also a professional in the diversity and inclusion sector of uh, corporate America. Um, his name is Christian Taylor. So let's welcome him to the show. Christian, welcome. What's going on, y'all? Appreciate you for having me. Appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. All right. So let's get this started off before before we start throwing some questions at Christian, because we're also basically going to count. I'm, we're, we've put together a list of seven reasons why HBCUs are valuable. But before we get into that, Karen, we've done some research. So why don't you break down yep. some of the, the facts, the stats and facts that we've found out about HBCUs? Okay, so here's three quick facts for us. Number one, in total, the nation's HBCUs generate $14.8 billion in economic impact annually. And that's equivalent to a ranking in the top 200 on the Fortune 500 list of America's largest corporations. Yeah, that's huge. I didn't know that. Yeah, the impact of HBCUs, I think, is it's largely unknown by, by a lot of the 
population. And that is a huge number. If you're generating that kind of economic impact, that is super huge. Christian, were you aware of, of the impact, the, the financial impact to our, our economy? Man, not not to that degree. Um, that's a huge number. And that's a huge figure uh, that Karen just said. So no, I, I wasn't aware that it was that big. But that's huge. So right. for every dollar spent by an HBCU and its students, it produces positive economic benefits, generating a dollar forty-four in initial and subsequent spending for its local and regional economies. So that's that's like hugely multiplying. Let's go on to fact number two. Fact number two: These institutions generate one hundred and thirty-four thousand and ninety jobs for their local and regional economies. That's equivalent to the number of jobs provided by Oracle, one of the nation's largest private employers. Yep, HBCUs generate a lot of jobs. Is the fact HBCU for hire. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, fact number three, the 50,000 plus HBC graduates in 2014 can expect total earnings of $130 billion over their lifetimes. That's 56% more than they could expect to earn without their college credentials. Wow. You're learning so, and earning, Matt. Yeah. Those facts really set us up to really discuss this. So Christian, first off, let's just touch on it real quick. Well, your, your, your Howard experience how would you kind of uh, encapsulate that? Did you you in, and what made you decide to go to Howard? Uh, man, so I, I always felt like I wanted to go to an HBCU. Uh, where I'm from in Houston, Third Ward is home to Texas Southern University, which is another HBCU. And so I grew up literally two blocks from there. So I grew up like hearing the band practice before football games and just walking to the gym to go to the college basketball games. And I just always knew I wanted to be a part of, you know, that that black uh, college atmosphere. My dad went to Howard and then I went to, he brought me to visit DC with him for homecoming when I was like 12. And I remember, and Matt, you'll appreciate this. I, I remember being on the yard and this is in like 2002. And I saw AJ from 106 and Park. And I remember just at that time 106 and park was like the biggest show and i was yeah. like you know 12 and i was just like this guy's on tv every day and i know he went to howard and so like, he's a proud howard yeah, alum. right 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 and as I, I are remember, all of you <laughs> yeah and i remember seeing like pharrell on the yard and like diddy and nas and i was like and then of course you know the young ladies were really beautiful to me i was 12 years old and i was like, i gotta be here so but yeah it's always had you know such were a they still uh, there when you went back when you went there six years later who's that the pretty ladies Almost definitely. It could have been that big switch definitely. when you get older, you realize, oh my God, what was that? So there's still yeah. there. Um, but yeah, by the time I was 18 and, and it was time for me to go to college, I knew that Howard was, you know, where I wanted to go for sure. All right. Well, like I said earlier in the setup, we put together a list. We got seven reasons why HBCUs are valuable. So Sean, why don't you give us why don't you give us reason number one and let's chop this up? Number one, quality education, Matt. HBCUs provide the same level of quality education other institutions. For example, the United Negro College Fund reports that 20% of all African-American college graduates around the country receive their degree from a historically bad college or university, despite these schools only making up about 3% of the nation's colleges. In addition, HBCUs produce 25% of all the African-American American graduates within science, technology, engineering, and mathematics degrees. Academic rigors can be found at the HBCU, and students' degrees are just as important as anyone else who does not attend an HBCU. Yeah, like a, a lot of people, I think, think about, you know, the Ivy League and, you know, Harvard, Yale, you know, on the West Coast, you got Stanford, you got your, your NYUs, your UCLAs, you got your big schools uh, all around the country that I are, feel are, seen. <laughs> by the way karen is an nyu grad as i never i never shut up about it that's i paid for it you just paid it never shut up about nyu but but a lot of people may not realize the level of excellence that comes out of the hbcus and, and the quality of education talk about from your experience when it comes to the quality of education with hbcus christian i think that you know it, it definitely probably depends on the school um you know every campus is not created equal but you know i think that like Karen pointed out, HBCUs were birthed out of a necessity for the community. And there was such a long period of time where this was the only place uh, where the African, the African American community could go to college. So I think there's a very specific focus that professors at HBCUs have for students. Uh, I think it's 25% of uh, STEM graduates, I guess, come from HBCUs. 
And that's a huge figure, man, saying that, you know, majority of the black doctors that are in this country come from, you know, historically black colleges. And so, you know, to put out such a high percentage of high performing professionals, I mean, they, the academics have to be on point. My experience at Howard, of course, you know, is looked at as, you know, obviously one of those sort of upper echelon schools in the HBCU community. But, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a great experience. Some world renowned professors. Most HBCUs have professors that are super subject matter experts and that are world renowned and public all over the world because their studies are so niche and their studies are they're so passionate about giving this knowledge back to the African-American community. So you get, you know, some really, really heavy professors and, and, and people in that community. So, uh, you know, I, I, academics were amazing in my experience. Well, let, me, let me push you a little, Christian. Um, mm -hmm. Here's my question. I, we're, we're talking about diversity and, you know, mm -hmm. diversity is a reflection of all people, right? And we mm -hmm. just mentioned earlier that I understand in theory, in principle, at the time why HBC, HBCUs universities were very important because we weren't included in the higher level of education. So we had to create mm -hmm. our own high level of education. And here's my always my, my question. It's not it's more of a concern. You know, when I moved to America and I started work, I came right from Canada and I went right into working on Wall Street. And I was in this environment where there was like people of all different colors and nationalities. Now, do you think and I'm just saying on both ends, not just to be in school, like how do you think HBCUs like can help like like prepare like for young African-American kids for that diverse work environment where they don't feel like they've never, you know, had to work or study alongside somebody of a different race or culture. Do you feel that that is like kind of like the handicap of going maybe to an all black college or even going to like a college that's predominantly white? No, I don't, because I think one of the first things I learned when I got there is that there is there's not a singular definition of, of black people. Right. And that there's so much diversity within just the black community, because where I was from, I didn't grow up around a whole bunch of, you know, people in the Caribbean community. So that was new for me. D.C. has a huge population of like East Africans. I had never really been around, you know, a ton of East Africans. I had never really been around people from New York. I had never been around people from California. So there's, you know, there's mixed race people. There's people who, you know, grew up overseas in, in Germany and people from all over, you know. So I think that there is definitely a level of diversity on the campuses, you know, within the community. And I think first you learn how to deal with that and operate within that. And then I think that open, you know, your mindset from that point allows you to see everything, you know, differently as you, as you move throughout life. And then I guess to your point about entering into the professional community where you have, you know, white colleagues and, and and whatnot. I mean, I think that America is majority white. So for the most part, anytime you get a job in America, whether you're working at like the Gap in the mall or you're working at like a high, you know, a high level in a corporation, you're oftentimes working, you know, around white people or at least white customers. So I think, you know, you get that experience. But how are you prepared? Do you think the colleges prepare you for that? Or is it a like culture shock? I think it just depends on the individual. You know what I mean? I knew kids that came to Howard that you know, had only gone to school with white kids. And that was their first experience being to school around black kids. Mm -hmm. I knew kids that had only been around black kids their whole life. And then when they had to get a job, that was a culture shock for them. So, um, you know, but I think I think the diversity on the campus lies within the diversity in the black community, which is. And you know what? Crazy. You can you can go to a school that is super diverse and not have a diverse experience also. Right. Like people could just cluster up with like who they're comfortable with or who looks like them. Um, like I remember NYU wasn't quite like that, but my high school was very diverse and we, it was weirdly segregated. Like just right. the fact you're around people doesn't mean you're hanging out. No, it's a fact. Definitely. Okay, so uh, here's reason number two why HBCUs are valuable and that's cost. So HBCUs that are members of the United Negro College Fund generally charge $6,000 less in tuition, which can go a long way towards keeping costs down. Collegiate education is under the microscope and students want a return on investment, understandably, in our current economic environment, especially now when it's a freaking pandemic. So yes, that is uh, Howard specifically HBCU tuition rates are on average almost 30% less than at comparable institutions. Oh my God. That's why they're often referred to as the best buy in education. I mean, I'm still paying off my education and it's been a while. Christian, how well was your degree received like when in the workforce when you told people you went to Howard and you applied for jobs and you went to HBC? Did you get a lot of, did you get mostly positive? Did you get some negative? Like what was the response like? I mean, honestly, I get, I get all positive. You know, I think Howard is just one of the most prestigious schools in, in the world, honestly. And, you know, the list of alumni um, really just speaks for itself. And, and the people that we put out from the university just kind of speaks for itself. So I've only ever gotten good feedback uh, from people about, you know, my, my degree. 
And what about people that want to continue their education and go to like a maybe an Ivy League graduate school or something of that nature? Does Coward help help them in that nature? That. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, it's one of the most prestigious schools there is. So, you know, going from <laughs> from a Howard to a Harvard, you know, uh, it, it's it's uh, I think you definitely are, are prepared for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, reason number three that we have why HBCUs are valuable. The campus climate fosters success. We've known for years that students of color feel more at home and perform better in schools where they feel supported and safe. The student environment fit is very important for student success. Uh, A recent study reaffirmed just how important campus climate is to student outcomes. Uh, A Gallup poll noted that black graduates of HBCUs are significantly more likely to have felt supported while in college and to be thriving afterward than their black peers who graduated from predominantly white institutions. Talk about the campus feel when when you went to Howard to Howard Christian, what did you can you co-sign that that fact? Is is the the climate uh, something that fosters success? Yeah, man, it's uh mm-hmm. it's definitely a supportive community, and you know I think that's probably the first time in most people's lives that you're around that many people, that many black people at once that are all you know college educated. You know what I mean? I mean you're there thousands with thousands of other kids at one time that are doing that. And that's a that's a unique experience, I think, for you when you first get there. But you know, there's so many on campus activities from like the fraternity and sorority life to the other clubs and organizations. There's, you know, the the girls, the dance teams, the, you know, the I mean it's 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 just a a, a really uh, I'm sure y'all can see in my face I'm just like you know reminiscing here <laughs> of, of you know campus life but it was it was amazing man it was amazing and um you know also a big part of that comes from everybody being from somewhere different and so you get to pick up like the cool stuff that the kids in California do or like yeah. you know the cool slang that the kids in New York have or like you know the the, it's just a big melting pot and everybody kind of brings their flavor to the campus and you just pick up on that. And it's, it's, it's a really cool energy. Well, that sucks for the freshmen of this year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what, what yeah. do you think the trade-offs now? So now that, what would you tell somebody that's going to a, a HBCU now and not having to do it kind of in this COVID time, what would you say to them of words of encouragement? Which, by the way, my niece is a freshman at Howard right now. Really? She's an online Zoom freshman, in other yeah. words. Yeah, um, man, that's a that's a great question. I would I would try to say, because I really have no idea how these campuses are operating right now and how they're even you know doing any of their activities or whatever. But just try mm-hmm. to tap into you know, uh, try to tap into some uh, alumni who have graduated, who are older than you, who are successful, and try to reach out to them because you may not be able to meet with them in person because of COVID. But I think. You know, people like myself who graduated from HBCUs, we we take that stuff really seriously. And so, when people who are younger than us reach out and they want guidance, or they want support, uh, or they want like mentorship, you you take that kind of thing seriously. So, I think you know, if you can't be there on the campus to enjoy all that stuff at once, then try to at least reach out to somebody older than you and see what kind of guidance you can get. And I'm going to piggyback off what you just said because when I moved here in New York and not going to an American school, not even going to like HBC school, I felt that like I felt being not part of this group, you know, and I would, you know, it was important for me for my kids that they went to school here to get a living. If I knew I was going to work in America, I would have went to school in America just for mm-hmm. that reason alone. When I went to events, networking events, like that bond, especially mm-hmm. once black college kids, like you just said, I felt like the outsider. I never like, and I can see those relationships were continue as long as you, you know, I have a friend, she went to Harvard and she, her job, her, her career is built around, she's in a lawyer and she goes around the world just consulting different firms. And her point of entry is she'll look through their, their directory and see who graduated from Harvard. And mm-hmm. that alone right. gets her right. an interview, gets her at least a meeting for her to close it. So mm-hmm. I really love the way that commodity is amongst like colleges and more specifically black colleges. So what you're saying to your point, I think it's very important to start building that relationship from, from, yeah, from the beginning. Definitely, definitely. Right. And I just want to jump in with a little note about diversity. So I was talking about diversity before. Um, and here's an interesting fact that there was a University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education report in 2011 about uh, the undergraduate enrollment trend of HBCUs. And maybe it's changed a little bit since then. But in that study, the racial breakdown of the students was as follows. It was 
76% black, African-American, what you would think, 13% white, which is interesting, 1% Asian, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander, and American Indian or Alaska Native. So almost negligible, and 3% Hispanic and Latino. It's interesting to me the ratio of white and Hispanic Latino. Yeah, there was definitely some white kids uh, on campus at Howard, and you know, obviously, it's not a ton of them. But yeah, there was there was um, it was it's more diverse than you think, you know, mm -hmm. because campuses, you know, central campus at most HBCUs are pretty small, and so even though the enrollment may be you know several thousand students, you're still in the same spaces every day around the same people. So you pass by kids who are white or you know Latino or Asian or whatever. So yeah, it's it's more diverse than you would think on a day to day. Was that like a thing or did nobody really care? I mean, I didn't care. I think it, I mean, they, over time, they just fall in and become, you know, part of the student population like everybody else, you know, they, right. they're in the cafeteria eating with their friends and, and doing their thing. So, um, you know, they, they all just kind of fell in. It's funny how that percentage breakdown is like the inverted, like American breakdown of right, like 13% right. white, right. Is like we're about 13% of the right. American populace african-americans in, in regular mm -hmm. life so for those right. white students on campus they're having a similar right. uh, experience numbers wise to yeah. how the african-american experiences in life well it um, says that hbcus are presently more racially desegregated with respect to their enrollment and staff than traditionally white institutions that, that sounds about right <laughs> so you had white professors yeah definitely absolutely yeah several all right christian we have a few more on our list of reasons why HBCUs are valuable. Plus, we have some questions we wanna ask you about your own personal professional journey, but we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, so you guys stay tuned and we'll be right back with more Two Black Guys with Good Credit. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you wanna do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today's topic, we're discussing HBCUs. Are they valuable? Do we still need them? Of course we do. Let's talk about why. We're at reason number four of why HBCUs are valuable. Karen, break it down for us. Okay, here we go. Reason number four why HBCUs are valuable is faculty support. Traditionally, the faculties at, at many HBCUs places much or more emphasis on teaching and student service oriented activities as on research. This permits more time for personal and high quality student teacher interactions and Additionally, many teachers at HBCUs have experience in working with minority students and students from diverse socioeconomic backgrounds. Research findings indicate that these factors are important for the academic success of many minority students. What do you think of that, Christian? Fact, fiction, you agree that the faculty support, was that a big key for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like, like I said earlier, you know, most people who are college professors, I mean, they're super passionate about whatever subject it is that they're teaching. And that's why that they're doing it at that high of a level. But even at HBCU specifically, you know, so much of the, the, the subject uh, or the, the coursework is, is very specific. Um, and so, you know, you, you get these really passionate professors that are, you know, world renowned in their field, 
um, you know, they're research experts, they're published all over the place. And in a lot of cases, I mean, they, their classes, you know, they're hard to sign up for because everybody wants to be in Dr. Carr's class, who was like one of the famous professors that, at Howard that um, has like a big following today. But, you know, a, a lot of support from the professors, um, you know, because they, they, they know that, you know, these are the only places where you're going to get this kind of knowledge is HBCUs, you know, and they're not going to teach you this stuff at, you know, PWIs. And so, you know, they, they really. Uh, Pause, PWIs. Do we, do we know this term, Karen? Yeah, so PWIs, yeah. I don't. Primarily, yeah, Explain the term. It. Yeah, PWIs, primarily white institutions. So, yeah, there we go. Just uh, a non HBCU, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, a ton of staff support, ton of staff mm-hmm. support uh, at HBCUs. And really, I encourage a lot of people to look at the level, the the uh, list of notable faculty that have taught at HBCUs, you know, over the years. There's some really, really impressive people that have taught at some of the schools. So, yeah, mm-hmm. people should look at that. So, mm-hmm. uh, Christian, you're always mentioning, like, there's these unknown things that you're learning that, weren't, that the other schools are not getting, like X factors. What are some of those X factors that you think from your personal experience that you're getting at HBCUs that you can't get at any other college? One is just like sort of sense of self. And like I said, being around thousands of other black and highly educated kids, you know what I mean? And so, you know, that's that that was the biggest thing from, you know, from from day one uh, was just having that that experience. But the other part is like, you know, I think at most HBCUs, your coursework, it has a certain tint to it. Uh, no matter what the class is, they're teaching it. They're teaching it often from the black perspective. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, cultural things and historical uh, things. And you don't get that information and that history at, you know, at PWIs or uh, at other schools. So, you know, I think those are some of the gems that you get at HBCUs for sure. Okay. So let's get into my number five. HBCUs offer outstanding programs, particularly in the STEM fields. According to National Science Foundation report, HBCUs accounted for eight out of the top 10 universities that produce black undergrads who went on to earn engineering and science doctorates. Spelman College, for example, in the single largest collegiate producer of African-American women holding science engineers and mathematical uh, doctoral degrees. According to the Best Schools Org, with an annual enrollment of only 3,000 students, Xavier University educates more black doctors than any other school in the nation. If you're considering a career in science, technology, engineering, math, or you should, you should strongly consider HBCU. So, did you see a lot of STEM nerds walking around campus with <laughs> <laughs> calculators? Yeah, that's funny. Um, I did, um, you know, and and every HBCU is different and has a different, you know, thing that makes them like they, they have a different field that makes them special. Like Howard being in DC was like the political thing, right? Everybody, a lot of cats go on to be politicians or go work on the Hill and do that kind of thing, but. A lot of the schools you mentioned, their thing is definitely STEMs. But, you know, at, at Howard, yeah, there was some kids, you know, with the calculators and, and all that stuff. <laughs> Pocket protector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some of that, for sure. All right. Well, moving on. Reason number six why HBCUs are valuable. HBCUs celebrate Black culture. Mm-hmm. Attending an HBCU is kind of like being in Black History Month every month. Excellence surrounded by excellence, it's, it's going to basically inspire you to do your best or, or see what's possible. Talk about that experience. It's competitive, man, because like you said, like, you know, the list of alumni and the people that have come out of a lot of these, you know, from these schools, it's incredible. And and you you often walk around campus with this feeling of like, the next Thurgood Marshall is here somewhere on this campus. The next Chadwick Bozeman is here somewhere on this campus. The next Toni Morrison is one of these girls that's right here I'm in class with. And so it's, it's really competitive, you know what I mean? From, from you know, the way people dress every day and, and wanting to be, you know, the best dressed person on campus to, you know, class presentations, cats coming, you know, you know, like full grown lawyers and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> so it's like, it is very competitive, but that's because you understand the legacy of what's come before you and that there's been so many influential people uh, across every field that you can imagine that have come from these campuses. And, and, and so you, you really want to uh, try to build on that legacy with yourself. Speaking of Chadwick Boseman, he's one of your, he, the Black Panther, he, he's a Howard alum, is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a list. There's a, a very, uh, Prestigious list. Yeah. Um, is P. Diddy count? Oh, Even though he didn't graduate, does P. Diddy count? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> he was a big promoter out there back in the day. Yeah. He gave a graduation speech, uh, I think maybe the year after I graduated. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we definitely claim Puff, most definitely. <laughs> 
He got his honorary right. degree. Well, and Biggie was there with a guy hanging out on campus too. Who's that? Biggie Smalls. He was there hanging out on campus. Oh yeah, every everybody, all of them, every everybody, man. We got to get you up there next time when they open campus up. You come see it yourself. Oh man, I'll be there, bro. I'll be there. I'll be living. I, I, that's what I want to do. Is like officially said I went to one. I'll be there for Most sure. Most definitely. Well, well, speaking of who's been there and who went there, mm-hmm. that brings us to reason number seven of why HBCUs are super valuable and important. Incredible networking opportunities. Like the, the amount of, you know, just highly uh, established people and just the, the from politics to entertainment to medicine to like in all fields, you know, there's just a great list and just not just the celebrities, just the professionals that is working in industry across the nation. You'll find people all around from these schools. So talk about the networking opportunities that come with attending an HBCU, specifically Howard being, you know, one of the most popular. Sure. There's, you know, like you said, there's a ton, but it's important that you pointed out a lot of times we do only show love to like the Chadwick Bozeman's and the Commons and the, you know, Erica Badu's and the, you know, the kind of the celebrities, <laughs> but there's so many powerful and important people who are sitting on corporate boards who are, you know, people, you know, high in government, you know, in the STEM fields, like we mentioned, business professionals, law, everything. So, um, you know, that's why I said, like, I would encourage the kids today that aren't on campus, look up some of these, you know, graduates who are, you know, high level professionals that went to, you know, these HBCUs and reach out to them and see if you can get them to be a mentor or get, uh, you know, any kind of uh, just any kind of information you can from them, because, you know, there's, there's a ton. And you know, like I said, we all, you know, we always focus on like the celebrities, you know, but every kid is not going to grow up to be a celebrity. Right. But you want to get that job. And there's a ton of people, uh, you know, high level and, and other jobs, too, that people should definitely look into. Well, that that brings us our, our list to a close. But I'd like to ask you a little bit about your own personal journey, Christian. Mm-hmm. So I know you graduated from from Howard and you finished school around the time that the recession was the, you know, the the great recession of, of I guess, 2008 is when it, or nine is when it kicked off. Talk mm-hmm. about what it was like being a college graduate at that time and how did your career journey? I mean, I when I met Christian, he was working, uh, like I said earlier in the show, in diversity and inclusion for in corporate America, doing major things with a lot of major corporations. So I met him when he was already fully into his professional um, career. But but talk about that transition from being a Howard grad during that recession into your professional career. Yeah, I mean, basically that shit sucked. Um, when I graduated, <laughs> uh, there was just no market. You know what I mean? There was you know, there were no jobs, um, and you know, it's like Karen said earlier, we we had this perception of when we went to college, like, oh, you go there and it'll all be good. You graduate and like you'll get a good job and you'll make money and everything will be great. But that that whole opportunity sort of vanished uh, around the time of, you know, the recession. And so when I graduated in 2013, um, you know, the effects of that were still obviously going on. So uh, basically I started my company out of necessity. Um, you know, I, I was able to make some contacts and network with some people um in corporate america but you know the hiring process a lot of times is very glacial right and so it Mm -hmm. takes uh it takes some time but you know i was able to be a consultant for a while um and 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 just you know sort of attach myself to to a couple different you know folks in in corporate america and kind of learn that skill set and uh you know and kind of really groom myself you know and and it it definitely would have been a lot different i think if i was able to get you know that internal job coming straight out of college, but, you know, I learned a lot about business and about how to, you know, uh, you know, manage something myself, um, you know, going through the process the way that I did. So, uh, you know, I definitely wish that I knew then what I know now, uh, but it was a, it was, it was a really unique experience that I'm glad I had. All right. If there was one of those, what you wish you knew then, if you were to talk to young Christian, back, you know, getting your time machine, what would you tell yourself? What have you, what is your experience? What, any quick ones, that, any tips that you, you, you can share with us? Yeah, definitely. Number one is find somebody, get a qualified financial advisor, tax professional, whatever. As a small business person, there's so many different things that you qualify for, like tax breaks and benefits and stuff like that, that you don't know about because you just don't have the knowledge. 
Um, and as a small business, you know, you learn that every dollar matters at the end of the year. So if you're able to save a couple hundred, a couple thousand, like that really matters to your bottom line. Um, and then sort of piggyback on the same thing, trying to, you know, uh, you know, save some money for your bottom line. I encourage every young entrepreneur, um, pick brands you like brand loyalty, pick a hotel chain. You like stay there, get points with them, pick an airline. You like stay with them, get points with them. That stuff builds up over time and you'd be surprised how, how much money you'll save over the years just by being able to use your Amtrak points or get hotel rooms for travel or, you know, get free flights when you have to fly in to see clients and do stuff like that. It really does matter, um, you know, at the end of the year when you're looking at, you know, wow, I really did save a couple thousand dollars because I just I took 30 seconds to sign up for this points program, you know, so. Um, you know, just trying to be creative and find ways that you can, you know, save some money on your bottom line at the end of the year. All right, Christian, I want your elevator pitches. All right. I'm giving you two, two <laughs> elevator pitches. I want for yeah. you. one. I want you to give me an elevator pitch as a guy, as a young individual coming out of high school, why I should go to an HBCU college. And my other elevator pitch is that why corporate and people should continue to support HBCUs. So for the high school kid uh, graduating, why uh, he should go to an HBCU, they're just really unique places um, uh, to get your college experience. You know, you're not going to get that experience at a PWI, um, you know, learning your history, understanding uh, the legacy of all the different people that have come there before you. I think the confidence that you develop as uh, a black professional and as a black college student, you get being on a campus around so many other people that look like you. I think that the staffs and the uh, uh, the professors, they take a certain level of care to the students because they understand the background that these students come from and they want to see these students shine and they know the legacy that these kids are, are trying to build on at these schools. So I think that uh, you know, for any kid that's looking at uh, you know where he should go to college, definitely, definitely take a look at, at any HBCU that's near you. And then your second question was, or oh, if it's not near you, that's cool too, because I went to one that was far from me and that shit was popular. Yeah, I think your experience was good. I like what you had to say because, um, yeah, it just becomes like, I mean, there was layers and there's levels of different types of blackness and you were able to experience that by coming, going out of your comfort zone, learning East African, West Indian. I thought that was a very interesting point you made. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I definitely. think even getting out of your comfort zone as a young individual is important in the learnings that you can get along the way. If you would have went to school, DHBC, right a block from your house, the experience probably wouldn't have been as diverse and as far as, you know, as, as interesting as, as you described it earlier. Absolutely. All right, what the second your, half. You're not yeah. off the hook yet. The second yeah, one. Second half. Um, why should co uh, companies, corporate America, why should they support? Yeah, government. Why should they support? You know, why is it good business? In other words, it's a good business because they're putting out these schools are the people that are putting out all the black professionals that are coming to these hospitals and to these corporations and to these law firms that are killing it. You know, and so I think you know I've actually had I had a person in corporate America when I was in school tell me that when companies want the the when they have to get whatever and get the black kids for their companies. They don't want the black kids to come from Harvard. They want the black kids from Howard. And they said, there's something different about you guys that come from these HBCUs that you guys just have something different that makes you more competitive. And you guys are just, you're just built different when you come out of there. And I think that that speaks, that speaks a, a, a lot because, you know, you know, and, and it really, I think, like I said, it, it just goes back to the figures, man. They put, you know, these are schools that are putting out all the black doctors and the black lawyers and the black professionals. You know, one thing I'm torn about, Christian, is like, you know, I know some of the schools are trying to push athleticism to the forefront and push it more like the way the Division One schools are. And, you know, this show is a perfect example why I think I like it the way it is now, because we can have an a, a intellectual conversation about something to do with African-Americans and blacks and just focus on education. I talk about our athleticism, how how hard we can dunk a basketball, how fast we can run. And it thinks the premise of HBC schools is about academics and you know yeah athleticism is part of it but it's not the driving factor because i think i would hate to see hbcus just become like a recruiting place for black athletes versus and then get away from the education yeah absolutely absolutely man but i think uh you know that's that is a really good point and and hbcus have, have never really historically had a, a huge focus on sports but i think that you know we all know that the biggest money makers for any school are their athletic programs and so the way that you build bigger libraries and better dorms and be better computer labs and better classrooms is by having athletic programs and athletic. In a perfect budget. world, do you think that would happen, though? I think that it could happen. I think if you got the right group of kids 
uh, they got recruited to a school and, and, and they, they were able to put their program on the map and get, you know, some some big money for their for their school. It could happen. I think this whole line of this point, I think it's super interesting. But I think yeah. this falls into the, the you know, the either or or the both. And to me, this is a both. And I don't right. see why the best athletes couldn't uh, choose to, instead of, oh, I'm going to uh, Alabama, or I'm going to USC, I'm going to this school, Duke, to play basketball. Like they right. could choose to go to Howard. They could choose to go. Yeah, but I, I don't like that where we are now. But, it's but, not the dominant. No, I hear you. Well, that's why I'm saying to me it could be a both. And like you can still you can still allure and attract those kids because maybe they want the HBCU experience, but not lose the focus and the, the, the academic uh, excellence part of it. I don't think it has to be split. I agree. Um, but no, nah, it is, it is, uh, I, I can definitely say in my time at Howard, like we're, we're not uh, a sports school. The, the homecoming game is not about the game. <laughs> and what is wrong with that? That's my point. That's my point. That's what I love. Like we can congregate amongst thousands of black young students and it's not about sports. It doesn't go to sports. It's not what their core reason to go into that school. And I think if we started letting in these elite athletes, I'm not saying it'd be a horrible thing, but then that would be the topic of conversation. That would be more where the drive, like the school, like you said, if it's about making profit, like you said, Matt, if this, if athleticism sports brings in all this money, then the emphasis is going to be there. Well, the media, the think, public I, is going to be there. And rather than talking about the academics, we're going to be talking about now we have the Mike. Oh, did you know the new, the great Michael Jordan is going now to Howard. And yeah, that's where all the, and I hear what you're saying. I get, I think there's a part of your point, which I can totally connect with, which is we want to keep the focus on the academics. I just think we don't need to pit sports against academics or make it vilify sports. We do well in sports. Um, if we keep our best athletes and have them come to HBCUs, like Christian said, there could be revenues from that. And also in the coaching ranks, like we complain about some of these major colleges not hiring black coaches or giving us opportunities. Well, Jackson State and HBCU recently hired Deion Sanders to be their head coach, which will, I'm sure, lure some of the best football players to want to go play for him, which could then bring the eyeballs and the sponsorships and, and additional dollars that could help the academic program, help the, the school as a whole. So I think you could do both like the ivy league that, that they they're known for their academics but they all have ac- they all have athletics as well so yeah i agree i think what we talked about are the founders that built these hbcus is it was the, it was built on the premise that it's another it's an outlet for a black excellence as far as education and i think if you go by the premise of what the founders wanted it's continued that legacy where it's where it's producing top scholars and producing i don't think they were athleticism was the concern and I would hate, like, and now to me, when even speaking to you, Christian, and hearing how confident you are, how much you're loving it, it's like a nest of young black excellence. Well, definitely. You know, where, that's and then, exactly and that, what an HBCU is. That's exactly what it is. And it's not being guided and misguided by athleticism and all the profiles mm-hmm. that's out there in today's world. And to me, let that live. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like top where people can confidently say, yeah, we like to hire HBCU students versus black graduates from Harvard because they bring it. And I know what they do. We bring they bring swag. <laughs> you guys bring swag and a, a sense of reality where it was not all about books, books, books. You see, you're kind of you're kind of flip flopping because a few minutes ago you were talking. You were all excited about Diddy and Biggie. Oh, however, you, you they were bringing swag. But with the athletes, now you got an issue. Like Because so I know the way in which the direction the media can draw it to and it can take away from the core essence of what the fathers and the mm-hmm. founders believed what it should be about. Well, black athleticism in this country is like kind of a fetish, isn't it? Like it's so glorified as though that's like the pinnacle of what the black community has to exactly. offer. And what I'm hearing here is that it's like that there's a specific de-emphasis of that. It's not that like you can't play sports, but it's really the point is it's it's like scholarship. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess but the, the reason why I think this debate is even happening is because recently there's been a wave of right. top shelf athletes who normally traditionally would always just go to Duke, Virginia, UCLA, Notre Dame. They're starting to talk about, you know what, I might go to Howard. And I think Sean, I get Sean is is putting up, you know, I, I like what you're saying, Sean. I'm just saying I don't want to discourage it. If, if great athlete X says, hey, you know, I want to go be a scholar athlete at Howard. I'm not against that. I But I hear your point. You're, you want to. If the algorithm maintain- works out and what Christian was saying that I'm all for it, meaning that the athleticism builds, it supports like engineering, supports science. But if it comes to the point where it's just a media blitz and you're just highlighting the one athlete that's going there and you forget about all the other things and it turns into this, this recruiting school 
then I'm not for it because I don't think that's what the fathers kind of wanted. And, and 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 Sean, I definitely, you know, I, I definitely take you on that point, man. That that I, I would hate to see that as well. And like that that may be me just sort of like in a in a perfect world, you know what I'm saying? But that's what I would love if if Howard or any other HBC were able to get a great athletics program and get a ton of money. I would love it. I would, in my mind, they would use it to amplify the facilities and the campus, uh, you know, and it just enrich the entire university, uh, not just the sports program. But to your point, I, I get that. Yeah, because I'm, I, you know, doing this show just opened my eyes to say, like, you know, you, you see so much profiling, and this is a, an environment where you're saying where people are there for academics, you know, yeah. and there's not about sports fashion it's just about academics and I, and I and i'm loving to hear that and young black people are there trying to outdo each other and on an academic level versus you know who can run faster who has a better jump shot and i think that's needed in the community and i think that's what the fathers wanted well i i will say like let's not act like these young folks at these college campuses aren't having fun and aren't there's there's it's not just like like you're, you're painting i think a very i don't know so painted well i don't understand what's wrong with that painting you want I to think take it your down? painting is great. I just don't know if it's realistic. I think it's, I think it's real well, life. You got kids who are fly. You got kids who are pocket protectors. You but got they're kids going there for the. You, know, you got everything. That, it's college. You got right. black kids with pocket protectors. That's what I'm trying to tell you too. Like you know what I mean? There was black kids with that was nerds too. Like there was all oh, of that. nerd nerds are in now. Nerds are nerds are trending. No, I put it best. You know, all right. put it best. Well, Christian, um, I, I think we we've had you on. You know. You, you've broken it down. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your HBCU experience. Ever since I've known you, I've known you've been to be, to be a proud uh, Howard alumnus, and you 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 always represent them, and you represent them well. So I thought you'd be a great person to come speak on the HBCU experience. So we appreciate you coming. I appreciate. Christian, are we allowed to wear Howard shirts? Like you, I do get pissed off at not be Howard people that wear Howard shirts. Like, can I wear one? Bro, if you send me your address, I will mail you a Howard shirt. I just left the Howard. My man. I literally, and this is some HBCU Pride stuff, and I'm going to let y'all go after this, I guess. But I literally got my sister and my dad something from the Howard bookstore, a sweater and a T-shirt for Christmas. So I will get you a Howard shirt. Yeah, right. just, can, just I, can a white girl, a white <laughs> Jewish girl who went to NYU and does know nothing about HBCUs until right this moment, rep Howard University if I wanted I, to? I will get you a Howard dental shirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did you know that's what I wanted? It's funny. It's funny that there's a Howard dental school and a Howard law school, and they're all on the same campus pretty much. And the, uh, the there's a lot of a lot of non-black kids will be in the dental school. Um, so Makes yeah, that sense. was no. Howard gears for everybody. Howard gears for everybody. So yeah. Now just it. but just to per, just uh, public service announcement. Go on. Howard gear. Or our HBCU gear is for everybody. Most now, definitely. the black Greek fraternities and sororities. Here we don't, go. Don't oh, look at it. He, his whole body language changed. Now he got an edge. My brother's part of a fraternity, and he's—I still can't. He still doesn't explain to me what happened and how does a fraternity look. In Canada, we have <laughs> wannabe black fraternities. We like whatever we catch on TV. We try to imitate. Yeah, well, do not rock some Alpha or yeah. Omega or Kappa or Sigma yeah, or nah, AKA don't, or Delta. Don't do that. If you see any Greek letter, anything, stay away from that. But yeah. We won't, we won't do that. Wouldn't disrespect you like that. Yeah. Don't want that smoke. And then I, I guess I can't get off without a uh, shout out to Kamala Harris, man. I guess the most famous HBCU grad, Howard grad right now at the moment. Mm-hmm. Slash Canadian, too. She got all that. She's, she went to school in Canada, too. She's from Montreal. Friend of the show. She doesn't know it, but she is. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so you see how Sean tried to co-op some Canada love in this? <laughs> I only speak facts, bro. I only speak facts. <laughs> Thank right, you, brother. Well, Christian, you really opened my eyes. I didn't think I was going to be enlightened so much by HBC, but you really enlightened my eyes. And for a father of three, you know, I definitely would steer my children in that direction. So oh, thank bro, you. What? No, bro, I got y'all getting all kinds of Howard shit now. You getting all <laughs> of stuff, all of that stuff, man. Yeah. It, one of them kids is coming to Howard. So yeah, get ready. <laughs> and I appreciate well, as, a, I appreciate as a parent y'all. of zero children, I will also steer my children towards an HBCU because you know what? It sounds absolutely popping. It sounds like an awesome time. It was. It was. Uh, but I appreciate y'all for having the conversation with me, man. This was this was amazing. So thank y'all. Yeah, thank you, thank Christian. All right. all right, Christian. So if if anybody uh, wants to reach out, any any Howard alum, any of these freshmen out there that you told to reach out to alumni, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? 
Yeah, the best way is uh, just to shoot me a note on Instagram. You can reach me at uh, Mr. Taylor Says. That's M R Taylor T A Y L O R Says S A Y S. Uh, give me a shout. I would love to connect with any young HBCU grads, HBCU students, and aspiring uh, college students. Hit me up. Well, this brings this episode of Two Black Guys with Good Credit to a close. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, and I'm Matt Smith, one half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And like I always say, nothing changes if nothing changes. Karen? I am Karen Margolis, one third of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. If you want to do those fractions, I'd go to an HBCU, so I won't. And as I always say. Why'd you snap? Why'd you have to snap? Huh? Just because we got a lot of guys, the snap is not part of the like the, the getting, entry fee of getting snap. into the school. I know, but listen, I just get let me have and one you thing. And the snap too, Z, and I can't even see it with soul. That's because I'm a millennial and I'm so <laughs> '90s right now. Um, and as I always say, it's not what you do; it's what you do next. And I'll see you guys in the next one. I'm Sean, the better half of two black guys with good credit. Please send us your emails at tbgwgc at gmail.com. That's the acronym for two black guys with good credit at gmail.com. Also send us an audio voice note. Shout us out. We'll put you on the show. And as I say every week, keep your money in your damn pocket, people. And Matt, Karen, I'm out of here. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.